Hey friends, it's Karen. Welcome back to the podcast. I did not record a podcast last week because, wow, life got a little crazy. <laughs> I've got a personal update at the end of the podcast if you're interested in hearing a bit about that. But um, it is sort of a good segue into what I'm talking about today. So life has been a little stressy lately. We've got a lot going on. We're selling a house and buying a house and moving to a different state. And work has been banana pants. All good. But um, it does have, it does play a, or have a toll on health-related issues, particularly around weight gain and weight loss. And while that's not something that I'm particularly focused on for myself right now, I know that my listeners really want to know more and learn more about why they are gaining weight when nothing else in their life has changed. So eating is staying the same. Workouts are staying the same, amount of sleep, you know, hydration, all the things are staying status quo, and yet the scale is going up. I hear this predominantly uh, from my clients more so than anything else. Why am I gaining so much belly fat, especially? And today I'm going to give you the answer to that. Uh, I'm actually reading a book right now, and I'm going to recommend it to all of you women who are little type A and have a hard time slowing down. Uh, I raise my hand and join that club. Uh, even now when life is so busy, I just rush, rush, rush all the time. And, and I feel guilty if I'm sitting down doing nothing or just taking a rest. And if that sounds like you, then this is the book for you. It's called The Rushing Women's Syndrome. Now, rushing is, is like as in rushing around. Uh, her name is Dr. Libby Weaver, the author. And she is, and I might say this wrong, but she is a nutritional uh, biologist or something like that. She's got a PhD in, in nutrition and biology. She is wicked smart and a really good writer, actually. And so the story, the book is an easy read. And she really just breaks down the health implications uh, of women who are constantly on the go, that are constantly type A, type A, type A, and deal with a lot of stress in their lives. So even if you're not somebody who's type A and always on the go, if you constantly feel stressed, whether that's big stress, like stress with a capital S, as in you're moving to a different state or you're getting divorced or something like that, Or stress with a small S, like, you know, there's just doesn't feel like there's enough time in the day and your mornings are always rushed and, um, you know, you're constantly worried about paying bills or staying ahead of everything that you need to do in a day. Low grade chronic stress can be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than big life events. So I want to, I want to qualify that from the get go. So what happens and what is the correlation between stress and weight gain, particularly belly fat? Well, it's hormonal and it has a lot to do with cortisol. And I could explain this to you, but what I would really rather do with all due credit to the author is read a couple of passages from her book because it's so well-written and I could not say it better myself. So I'm going to read aloud, (laughs) bear with me here, and just listen up and see if this sounds at all like you. So the, the, the chapter title that I'm going to read to you is called Understanding the Cortisol Problem. It doesn't matter how amazingly you eat or how much exercise you do, if cortisol is telling every cell of your body that food is scarce and that your your metabolism slows down as a result, your clothes will slowly get tighter, period, underscore. Those are my my inclusions. Uh, Since cortisol is telling every cell in your body to store fat, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to decrease body fat until the cortisol issue is resolved. In order to begin utilizing body fat as fuel, we must get to the heart of stress, either change the situation 
or alter our perception of it. Cortisol, friends, has a very distinct fat deposit pattern. You typically lay it around your belly. Uh, Once again, it is your body's quest for survival that governs this. If you think about it, if food suddenly did run out, your major organs will have easy access to fat or energy to keep you alive because it's all wrapped around your waist. You also have a tendency to build fat on the back of your arms and on your back. So I can't reiterate enough how important this point is. Most people tend to go on a diet when they notice that their clothes are getting tighter. The diet generally leads you to eat less and therefore reaffirm to your body that food is scarce and you exasperate your cortisol problem. But food is nowhere near scarce, as you and I both know. Uh, In fact, it's abundant for all of us. So if, well, not all of us, but most of us that are lucky enough to be in that position. Uh, If you decide at 3 a.m. that you want a pack of chocolate snacks, then you can totally go get them. But if you, what you're really doing by eating less on your diet is confirming to your body what it perceives to be true, which is that there's not enough food. And it only slows down your metabolism even further because it wants to store and, and hibernate within that fuel uh, uh, reserve that it currently has. So elevated cortisol coursing through your body presents another challenge for you as well. Since your body perceives that food is hard to come by, it's going to tell you to eat anything that you can get your grubby little hands on, and it becomes very difficult not to overeat. Regardless of how strong you tell yourself to stick to three corn chips when you get home from work... (sighs) If that pack of crackers is open in front of you, cortisol will scream at you how lucky you are to have that food in front of you and that you should eat it all up before it disappears. And somehow, before you know it, the whole pack is empty. So please don't get me wrong. Of course, willpower and self-discipline do have a place here. It is simply my intention to show you that the very ancient hormonal mechanisms operate to take over because they believe they know better than you and your consciousness when it comes to survival. If you learn how to decipher the messages it's communicating to you, your body can be an incredible teacher. And additionally, body fat is sometimes simply a vehicle of communication. It's an unjustified panicked perception of life that's asking you to explore your biochemistry and your belief that allows this to be the case. I think I may have said that wrong. Uh, I'm sort of reading and interjecting my own words here. But basically what the author is saying is that you need to look at the stress in your life if your body is starting to gain more and more weight, because that's a wake-up call. And if you don't look at it when it's just weight gain, then it can elevate into other things like chronic disease. So I don't intend to spook you here, but I do really want to give you that layer of consciousness that weight gain, unexplained weight gain, is really it's a it's a, something that you need to look at not just from a vanity perspective but something's going on in your body so i'm just going to read a little bit more here uh this, and this is about silent stress and that's what i was talking about in terms of like stress with a capital s or a little s so not all of us are drama queens who are running around flailing their arms screaming i'm so stressed i'm so stressed but some of us are incredibly private and keep things under such a tight wrap that sometimes we don't even recognize ourselves that we've been in a stressed state for a long time. We're so busy presenting a happy face to the world that we're like the boiling frog that starts in cool water and then gradually gets warmer and warmer. For some, this stress is silent. And I'm going to raise my hand here because that is totally me. 
When we feel privileged and grateful for all we have in our extremely abundant lives, sometimes we find it difficult to complain about anything. A common internal phrase would be, there is so many people worse off than me. When you think a thought along these lines, it immediately sets you up to feel guilty about what concerns you and you stop focusing on the source of the stress. But covering up these stress with feelings of change, you have to believe that these things are permanent and destructive in order, or you have to believe that they're not permanent and destructive in order to get past them. So what might drive someone with the best of intention to keep even eating, even, or sorry, what might drive someone even with the best of intentions to keep eating, even though they know they shouldn't. In addition to the elevated cortisol level caused by long-term stress, there may be other biochemical factors involved. Things such as low progesterone, poor thyroid function, or blood sugar that surges and plummets all play a part. And they are also likely to be emotional factors and core beliefs that aren't, that you're not even aware of. So I'm going to end with this last paragraph that she says. So I hope this is sinking in and I apologize for um, any of the misreads that I've, I've misread. <laughs> the crux of it is leave the worrying until something actually becomes a problem. Then when it becomes a problem, you can face it. But worrying over something that may never eventuate only serves to harm you. The ripple effect of worries through the production of excess cortisol can very slowly and subtly change your metabolism to one of fat storage and consequently leaving your headspace full of sadness and withdrawn temperament. For some, worry is at the heart of your rush and is the chemical signals created by your body that your body believes will help you based on the information it is receiving that is driving this. Like, boom, drop mic. That is so me on so many levels, and I bet a lot of you are hearing it too. So when we come back, we're going to talk about this a little bit more and how you can actually deal with it. Uh, But I want to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. So tell me, did any of that ring true for you? I, I I cannot recommend this book enough if some of that felt really compelling to you. I feel like in our current culture, we only look at stress as being those big, mighty events, which uh, are definitely stressful, but more often than not, burnout and exhaustion and stressful cortisol issues are coming from those small nagging elements where we just don't feel like we have space in our worlds. And really, if there is one thing that I want to do with this podcast overall is just inspire you to create more space in your life, create more sense, create a greater sense of enoughness. Because I believe, I firmly believe at the end of the day that A lot of what drives us to rush and push and hustle and more, 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 more all the time is this feeling of there's just not enough. And I was interestingly enough listening to a Goop podcast. I love referencing Goop (laughs) uh, where Gwyneth Paltrow was interviewing Krista Tippett, who is an incredible journalist and has her own podcast called On Being, which I really recommend if you want uh, just a spiritual deep dive on all kinds of religious and spiritual uh, topics. Uh, you know, she, they were talking about that sense of 
that's, that's only true of human beings, that we never have a sense of, okay, I'm at enough now. You know, the weight that I'm at, that's enough. And the age that I'm at, it's good. It's fine. And the amount of money I have in the bank, it's enough. And my house is enough. And, and I don't need any more clothes. And I don't need any more friends. And I don't need any more commitments on my calendar. I don't need anything else. Like, when was the last time you actually felt that way? I feel like if anything, our culture is just speeding up and speeding up more and more to the, the point where it's, it just encapsulates us in this, this vicious circle of constantly craving more, wanting more and being more. And, and, you know, I always come back to social media being one of the worst offenders of driving that and aggravating that sense of not enoughness. So if I were to say at a high level, you know, what's the cure for this? It's definitely slowing down. But when we hear slowing down, what does that actually mean? So if I unpack that in the context of my own life, I was pushing and pushing and pushing for a very long time in my work and not feeling like I was enough. Uh, I had two, I had a job and I had a business and I was going full throttle on both. And my energy and attention and just, you know, vision was so divided between these things and then, you know, trying to take care of myself on top of that and have a life. I, I was just running constantly and it got to a point where that was addictive and I didn't know how to not be rushing. And if I had a moment, you know, between my day job and my night job where there was a moment to breathe, I almost didn't know what to do with myself. So I would find something else to do in that moment of time. So there was never white space. That's how it was for me. And the only way that I was able to create that, and I'm going to sound like a broken record now, was actually to find space on either side of my day. So that was building an intentional morning routine and building an intentional evening wind down routine and just expecting that once my day got started, it was hard for me to stop until I needed to stop at the end of the day. Because I think quite honestly, we're all in that role that, you know, once we're once our feet hit the ground and we're getting ready for work and we're off to work and we're commuting and we're in meetings all day and then we're commuting and then we're feeding ourselves and our family and trying to do things in the evening that we can't do during the day. And then by the time our butts hit the couch at the end of the day, I mean, King Kong could not take us off that couch because the exhaustion and the weight of just finally releasing can be so overwhelming that you can't even get yourself to bed. So uh, if that sounds like you, you're definitely not alone. Um, and we're almost afraid to slow down in the middle of the day and take a break because God forbid if we do that, we might, you know, lose the, the momentum of our speed. And that was really where I was. And I, to be honest, I'm still that person. I'm still that person that once my day gets started, I don't stop until it's over. And for me, I have very specific rituals about when it's over. So I like making dinner. My husband and I sit down for an actual dinner where, you know, we talk and we might have a glass of wine and, you know, then we move to the couch and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of work in the evening, but really my brain is fried at that point. So I'm not creating anything. Um, or we're watching TV or, you know, we're going out for dinner or we're seeing friends and then we're going to bed early, you know, like that's, that's my evening routine. And I've told you a million times what my morning routine is like. I like to wake up naturally. You know, I, I do wake up early because I go to bed early. So I naturally wake up around 6 a.m. But I give myself that space in the morning and I pour into myself first 
because the rest of the day, I'm not doing that until the end of the day. So uh, I'm meditating, I'm tapping, I'm journaling, I'm doing some, you know, meditations around prayer and, and manifestation and thinking about my future. And I give myself so much space in the morning to do that. And that is a luxury that I know not everyone has. So the big trend right now is to start getting up at 5am. And if that sounds like something you can do in your life, then rock on with your bad self. Personally, I wouldn't want to get up any earlier unless I could go to bed earlier because my sleep is freaking critical to me. I am half the person I typically am if I get anything less than seven hours and optimally eight to nine. Uh, So if it sounds like I've got this life of lots of time and leisure, believe me, it hasn't always been that way. But I've just learned that if I'm going to go at the speed that I'm going to go at during the day, I need to have these rituals to get me there. So my space is in the morning, my space is in the evening, and I have that big block of space for sleep during the night. And then I don't guilt myself about, you know, the rushing during the day because I kind of like it. And I, and I am that person that once I have that momentum built up and I'm, I'm going at a million miles an hour, just stand in my way and let me go. So that at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow, I can say I did everything I needed to do that day and, and not, uh, you know, not an inch more. So that's, that's the way I do it. That may not work for you. You know, you may be the type of person that needs to take quarterly breaks throughout the day. So you may have like a bit of a morning routine, but at lunch you take like a proper lunch and you go out with your friends or, you know, you sit in a park or you ground or you do whatever it is you need to do at lunch. And then after, after work, you go work out and that's, you know, another piece of time. And and if it works better for you to do that, all the power to you. I know that personally at this stage in my life, if I said to myself, I'm going to wait till after work to work out, I just wouldn't do it. I have done it in the past and I had that ritual going. And sometimes it's just a matter of forcing yourself for a little while until it becomes routine. Because um, in my previous life, when I was working um, in an office, I had to work out at home after work. I couldn't do it before work and I couldn't do it at work. And I had to force myself into that routine. But now that I have this this space carved out for myself in the morning, I couldn't imagine not working out in the morning. And I think that if I even had to wait till 10 a.m., I would not get it done. So a lot of this is just building habit and routine. And the more you can do that, the more that you can train your prefrontal cortex to make it automatic, which is just, you know, pushing yourself a little bit further every day, it's going to become routine. And you're not even going to think about it. And it's going to be like driving where you just get in your car and you end up at a place and you don't even have a freaking clue how you got there because driving is so, you know, um, ingrained in your brain and, and your routines can be the same way. They absolutely can, but you need to find out what works for you. So I can give you suggestions and other people can give you suggestions, but really you have to play with this in your own life. So that is the major way that I ward off stress. And in my own life right now, things are very stressful, because, like big capital S stress because of the moves. But because I have those morning routines, I am so amazed at how I have been able to manage it. And I'll give you another tool that I just recently, I mean, I've known about this tool for a while, but I've I've only recently started implementing it and it's powerful. And I gave it to my husband as well. And he's got, um, he's got a heart condition. It's called AFib. 
And it's just where his heart um, gets out of rhythm when he's stressed out. And of course, he's going through this whole move with me. So we're both, you know, really stressed. And, you know, he, he finds that his heart goes out of rhythm when, you know, there's a lot going on. So I told him what I had learned. And this is powerful, guys. So listen up. Diaphragmatic breathing is a game changer. And when he learned that technique and was able to apply it in his moments of stress, his deepest moments of stress, he was completely able to um, get his heart back, his heart rhythm back or alleviate uh, off rhythm altogether. So I'm not making any kind of medical claims here clearly, um, but I am going to explain to you how to do diaphragmatic breathing. And this is a tool, like I mean, I've given you some tools that you can do to prepare yourself for your day and to wind down from your day, but what happens in the thick of the day when you know your boss is driving you crazy and you've got a million things to do and you're stuck in traffic and you're gonna be late for an appointment? Diaphragmatic breathing is the thing that you can take with you everywhere you go. So listen up. Um, diaphragmatic breathing is breathing from your belly as opposed to your chest. And what that does when you breathe from your belly and, and deep, not like, you know, overly exaggerated breaths because you don't want to get yourself lightheaded, but giving yourself like full breaths where you're maybe counting one, two, three, four, five on the inhale and one, two, three, four, five on the exhale, but ensuring that 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 breath is coming from your belly, even if you have to hold your hand over your belly and just let the breath come from that diaphragmatic space as opposed to your chest, it will automatically engage your parasympathetic nervous system. That is your rest and digest nervous system. And that is a huge way to counterbalance that court, that uh, 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 imbalance of cortisol. So without getting into the medical explanations that the author of the book does so wonderfully, when you're constantly, um, putting your, your nervous system into a fight or flight mode where it's, constantly um, on and on edge and you know you're you're running from one place to another and you're constantly stressed your that nervous system um, your sympathetic nervous system is constantly you know waiting for the saber-toothed tiger to come eat you and it is something that's really it's a it's a nervous system engagement that is really useful in moments where you know there's a car accident that's about to happen so you need an automatic reflex to get somebody out of a way out of the way or from being hit by a car but it's only for those moments in life, right? We shouldn't be constantly on the fight or flight mode. And we know that. And when we are, that's when cortisol starts going out of whack. And I mean, we need some cortisol and there is a natural balance of cortisol in your body. But when you're constantly in fight or flight, your cortisol is going uh, haywire. So what do you do to combat that? Um, you have to engage your parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest. And when you do that, when you're able to engage that nervous system, you're, con you're automatically um, engaging better heart rate variability and uh, improving vagal nerve tone, which I won't get into those things. They're also in the book, uh, but you don't need to know this terminology. All you need to know is when you engage your par parasympathetic nervous system, you... Um, you correct your hormonal imbalances, which have an impact on your weight. So if you're getting a lot of belly fat, if you're getting a lot of fat in your back, and if you're, you're starting to realize that maybe all this low-grade stress is really impacting your health and your weight, then 
diaphragmatic breathing is the thing for you and you can do it anywhere at any time and it doesn't matter how busy you are because you're breathing anyways. So this brings you into the conscious moment as well, which is also great, but that is a physical engagement of your parasympathetic nervous system. So again, just hand on belly, deep breaths from your your belly and do it about five times and see how it makes you feel. And just as an experiment, then try um, doing five breaths from your chest. It might sound the same. It might even feel the same a little bit, but you won't get the same result. You have to breathe from your belly in order for this to engage your parasympathetic nervous system. So I love that tool. Uh, It's something you can do anywhere. Um, The rest of them, you probably want time to yourself to do, but you know what? Carving time out uh, for yourself in your busy day is definitely a deal, um, a deal, a game changer. Uh, And you may not be able to do it every day and that's totally fine. But to the degree that you can carve out a morning routine for yourself, if you can't stop during the day or carve out and, or particularly and carve out an evening routine, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, Maybe it's reading a story for your kids or just going to bed and doing the diaphragmatic breathing. Um, and it will put you to sleep. It is such a game changer, guys. So do try that, if, especially if you struggle with anxiety. Oh, it's such a game changer. So I'm going to pause there. Uh, I hope this has been helpful. I'm going to once again tell you to go to my website and the link is in the show notes here. And that will have a link to the book, uh, which is again called The Rushing Women's Syndrome. And I believe the author is actually coming out with a new book that I haven't even looked at yet. I'm still plugging my way through this book. And if you get it, let me know. I would love to hear about it. So you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm trying to stay away from Facebook uh, more and more because it's just, it increases my stress hormones and I don't like that. So I'm becoming very conscious of things that are not making me very happy and actually making me sad. Facebook makes me sad, (laughs) particularly because I'm always getting the, um, you know, traumatic animal stories. I am the most sensitive person in the world. I hate saying that stuff, but yet Facebook seems to think I like it. Anyway, uh, so that's uh, it for the lesson today. But if you're curious to know the behind the scenes, then I will give that to you now. So if you don't want that, please do connect with me on Instagram at Karen McGill, Karen with a C, M-A-G-I-L-L is the last name. And uh, I'd love to connect with you and let me know what you think about this episode. And please feel free to leave me a five-star review or whatever you think is reasonable uh, because that helps more people find the show. So on to the personal um, segment of the show. So I think I mentioned to you guys before that my husband and I on a whim over the um, July long weekend or right before it went to Austin just to kind of rule out whether or not we would ever want to live there and ended up buying a house. (laughs) So that was not um, planned, but uh, it was, it was something that even now, now that we're four weeks in almost since we bought that, uh, since we put the offer in, uh, I'm still glad that we're going, um, even though I'm going to desperately miss my friends uh, here in the Bay Area. And I'm going to miss the Bay Area because, oh, this is just beyond Toronto, which is where I was born and raised and my heart will always be. The Bay Area has always been home for me, even though I spent five years in, in L.A. This has been my home and I adore it. But uh, I think I may have mentioned in a po- previous podcast, and if I haven't, I'll repeat it now. The reason that we're going there is just to create more space in our life. So uh, in the Bay Area, um, you know, starter homes start at at least a million and go up from there and mortgages are big and and it's expensive to live here. So you really do need to have 
uh, a big Bay Area salary to go with it, which is fine, which is great. And we did that for many, many years. But um, now we're in a place where we just want to do more creative stuff and have a little bit more time and flexibility and space in our life. So uh, that was really the impetus for us looking uh, at moving out of the Bay Area so we can focus our time and energy and resources on more creative pursuits because that's just where we are at this point in our life. Um, So right now, you know, we're going through that messy middle part. And it's funny because I have never... I've, I've owned five houses in my lifetime, but every time I've sold one, it's always been because I'm moving to a different state or a different place. And, you know, there's been a rental somewhere in between there. This is the first time I've bought and sold a house at the same time. Oh, there's a lot. (laughs) So, uh, you know, all the docu signs and paperwork and, you know, home inspections and, and just, oh, it's a lot. And so if you've ever, if you've ever uh, bought or sold a house at the same time, I'm sure you can relate. Right now our home is listed and um, we've got open houses coming up, which means, you know, you got to live in a fishbowl, which again is never fun, Uh, but we're doing it and it's fine and it's great. And I'm so grateful that, um, you know, we have this home that I've loved for three and a half years. And I'm so grateful for the home that we're going to continue to love in Texas. Uh, and I'm so excited for Austin because it's got such a great vibe and great people and great food. And, you know, it's got a good music scene. Not that I'm really into live music, but, um, and we've got a pool and that's something that my husband and I have both always wanted and a big space for our doggies. So we'll continue to do, um, more rescue work when we get out there, which is another reason why we wanted more space. So, ah, it's just all good things, but it's really just, um, a lot all at once. And that can be stressful, stressful with a capital S, but it's all good. And I'm just sitting in gratitude because I'll tell you, and I wrote this on Instagram the other day, uh, you got to focus on gratitude in these stressful moments because you know, you've, you've heard the saying bad things happen in threes. I truly believe that that is because when bad things happen, we focus on them maniacally. And when you focus on bad things, you bring more bad things to you. I believe that fundamentally. So if a bad thing, this isn't even a bad thing. This is just a lot of, uh, we're in the messy middle of a, of a great situation. But, you know, if I focused on, you know, the fact that I've got so much paperwork that I need to gather and so many things I need to fix in the house and all the things that I need to do, plus that four and a half day drive from California to Texas in August, which is just going to be bananas with two dogs. Um, When I focus on that, you know, if I were to look at that as a bad thing, it's just going to magnify um, the negativity and bring more negativity to it. Whereas if I just continue to say to myself, I'm so grateful I'm in this position. I'm so grateful that I have the resources I have to make these decisions and make these moves. And I'm so excited for my new home. Um, if I stay in that space, oh, such a world of difference, such a world. So anyway, I hope that's helpful for you. That's just this scoop on my life. And that's why I didn't uh, record a podcast last week. I actually did record a podcast last week, but I was very tired and it didn't come to it with the right energy because I was so exhausted. And I thought, you know what? My listeners don't need this. So I thought you can deal with a week or two of no podcast, but I'm back. And I'm excited to be here and I will see you guys next week. I will talk to you soon. 
You guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of From Burnout to Best Self. I really appreciate you being here and I would super appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. That really helps me get the podcast out to more people and to help me get better people on the, or not better people, but fascinating people on the podcast. So do me a huge, head over to iTunes, give me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. And also... I would love to connect with you on Instagram. I like to see the people who actually listen to this podcast. I want to see my community uh, face-to-face. So go over there, follow me on Instagram at Burnout to Best Self, and uh, let me know you're a listener. I'd really appreciate it. If you want to do a screenshot of the episode that you uh, are listening to and share it on your stories and tag me, then I will be happy to share back. So um, thanks for connecting, guys. I love you, and uh, I'm so happy to be on this journey with you. Take care. This is Karen McGill, and you are listening to From Burnout to Best Self. Welcome and enjoy the show.